Hello and welcome to The Stinger, a super fan's guide to Marvel, Star Wars, and much, much more in nerd entertainment. Joining me on the podcast today, they have just gone on a journey of self-discovery to the world between worlds. It is Trent Neely and Joseph Sneed. How are we doing, guys? Somehow Thrawn has returned. (laughs) Except this time it made a lot of sense. (laughs) That's right, baby. Oh, yeah. We are here to talk about Ahsoka today. Yes, I know you have heard us talk a lot about this show in different segments and different formats throughout the past several weeks. Well, now the show is wrapped up. It wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. And Joseph and Trent and I, you know, we've been ruminating on it. We've been thinking about it. We've been forming our opinions. So today we are going to talk about some of the biggest questions we have after watching the full entire series of Ahsoka. That is what we are here to do today. Thank you all for joining to listen. As always, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube at the Stinger Pod. You can subscribe to that channel on YouTube. And then you can follow us on TikTok and on Instagram at the same handle at the Stinger Pod. Um, guys, we're here. Uh, before before we get into it, like Joseph. You made a pretty meaningful purchase in your life this week. Um, I, we, we, me and Trent were blessed enough to to witness it on screen before we hit record. Some someone in here is the owner of a new Obi Wan Kenobi lightsaber. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. How how's it treating you, my guy? Uh, it's treating me good. Took me out to dinner. <laughs> got the uh, got the nice wine and cheese. That's right. That's right. Ribeye. Yeah, it's treating me pretty good. That feels like that feels like a, a meal Kenobi would eat. You know, he's a man of elegance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. He'd probably eat it with some random person that he just met, though. <laughs> no, we know we, he's going up to, to Dex at the diner. Dex is cooking Ooh. up some steaks for him. Ooh, I don't know. Do would you trust a steak from Dex's? Oh, I trust everything from Dex. I don't like, know that Dex, place. Dex is, Dex is the man. The health sanitary cup? codes there have got to be atrocious. That, that's fair. That's fair. You want a cup of Jawa juice? I don't <laughs> know what juice? that is, but I guess so. He's like <laughs> pulling his he's like pulling his pants up, not wearing gloves. No gloves in sight. Like it is uh it's alarming. Dex's looking, diner. Looking like uh looking like a plumber back there, you know. But sometimes sometimes the places like you don't want to ask like hey did you pass the fda health and sanitary code are the places you frequent the most you know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't know that yeah, the, little, the little hole in the wall place ex- exactly the little hole in the wall place yeah well joseph i am one glad to know you're enjoying the kenobi lightsaber um let us know if you add more to your collection general grievous and uh and just keep us posted as always um, well, I think I think the uh, the cost is going to keep that collection growing very slowly. So. <laughs> It'll be like a yeah. We'll we'll check in annually. How about that? We won't we won't put the pressure. That'll on work. <laughs> All right. Um. So again, we are here to talk about the Ahsoka series in full length today. Um, guys, as a just broad opening. 
what are what is your like you know sentence or two synopsis on how you felt about the show uh i had a blast with this show i had a lot of fun it was it was great to see the rebels gang back again as a rebels fan i loved it so much uh they play all of their uh animated counterparts perfectly i think in this um I got some issues with with some pacing of of some story stuff where we choose to sort of pick things up and where we sort of choose to leave it. But overall, a really, really solid time and great addition to the Star Wars lore. This is a terrible addition to the Star Wars lore because Chopper didn't actually commit any war crimes (laughs) in the show. So I can't believe it. The disservice they've done to Chopper's character. Mm. No, I, I enjoyed the show a lot. I was always looking forward to each of the episodes. It was nice to see, like Trent was saying, the the Rebels cast. I was watching Rebels as it was coming on. So being able to see Hera and Chopper and Sabine and Ezra, um, even the mentions of Kanan in there, we had Jason Sindula. Um, yeah, I had fun. And we got the Chosen One back in a few episodes. Mm, yeah, we did. So, Let's talk about it. So the... Uh, the prequel itch was was scratched in this one too. Yeah, I I'm with you guys. Captain, and Captain Rex. Oh, you have the Rex. How how can we forget? My guy. My guy indeed. Uh Captain Rex for sure. Got to shout out the homie. I um I'm with you guys. I think this was like if I had to summarize it, I would say something like, you know, it's a it's a flawed joyride. Like I I had some of my wildest star wars fantasies fulfilled and at the same time also had some head scratching moments uh but to me the the highs outweighed the lows for me and um so i'm coming i'm coming into this like genuinely so excited to talk to you guys about it because you know we're not we're we're not covering it week to week i there's a lot of thoughts that probably you know in, enter the text instead, or that just get fizzled out. And so I am eager to talk about a lot of the most important things in a discussion format with you guys because this show kind of took over. I feel like this show really took over the fandom space in a way that a lot of the Disney Plus shows, at least, have not done in a while. I don't know. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it quite reached the Andor level because that kind of came out of nowhere. Of their, like nobody was hyped for that show, um, but but yeah, I mean, and especially once uh, once our boy Hayden Christensen came back, the internet yep. was like, what? Um, for people who didn't who maybe didn't watch Kenobi and sort of aren't aren't in the know about this little Hayden Renaissance, yeah. uh, Star Wars fans are having. Um, yeah, I think I think that moment for sure that took over the internet for a solid like ten days. Like there were so many like conversations and homages and references to that one shot of like the Darth Vader frame where it like switches mm-hmm. to Darth Vader for half a second. Um, yeah, but no. So, so yeah, I don't think this would quite hit like, um, like I said, the Andor levels of social media dominance, but I definitely think the, the buzz was much more strong than Mando season three or book of Boba Fett was. Yeah. And it was especially stronger than that piece of garbage. They tried to call secret invasion, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I agree with Trent. It doesn't, which, you know, at this point, I don't know what's going to hit the highs of Andor. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was kind of good to see a little bit of Andorish stuff with some Senate hearings and mm. and things like that. But it didn't, it, it didn't hit the same things as Andor. And I think you kind of see um, 
you know, you see all of Dave Filoni's strengths and weaknesses in this show, whereas the writing in Andor basically had no weaknesses. Um, is really one of the few Disney Plus original shows at this point that doesn't have weak writing. Um, yeah. Or all, all around weak writing because, you know, Mando has had some really good writing and mm-hmm. Kenobi had some, but had a lot of problems. Boba Fett had a lot of problems. Uh, but yeah, I think this one was good. And this one seemed to be the one for like the hardcore fans. Yeah. I don't know how accessible the show is for everybody else. Yeah, that's definitely something we're going to talk about later. I, I definitely have some thoughts on that. Um, I to to kind of start the conversation. How about we start? We each give like what our highest moment was, and maybe what our what our lowest moment was. Maybe and maybe not moment in the show, but just you know something about the show that you felt like you know the show did extremely well and something it failed at. Um, in terms of extremely well, um, as for what we all, I think, touched upon, I think the casting of the Rebels counterparts in live action was pretty much perfect. Mm, Everyone yeah. pretty much is better than I could have imagined. I'm, I'm a little bummed we didn't get to see our guy Zeb. That was, that was yeah. a bit of a bummer here. Um, but, but everyone else, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, like, had that, you know, commanding Hera general mojo going on, but also that maternal thing, which mm-hmm. that character needs to have both of those facets. Um, the actor playing Ezra like blew me away. I'm like, this is this is a hundred percent Ezra, but just aged up, and I'm kind yeah. of like, it's a magic trick almost. Uh, in terms of biggest weakness of this show, I do not believe, for me personally, this is subjective. I'm not yeah. saying I'm right, and writing stuff is super hard, but I do not think there are eight episodes worth of story here. I, mm, I, I think, yep. I think, I think we could have combined some episodes. I think we could have restructured things or gone a different way i think there's like five or six maybe solid episodes of television that's that's stretched into eight yeah i think one of the strengths of the show kind of the sabine gets stabbed in the first episode notwithstanding is it Mm. made lightsaber fights really powerful again yeah yeah it seemed like especially the you know i mean you can't ever have an Anakin fight that doesn't seem powerful, but that was like the gold standard of Disney star Wars lightsaber fights. Yeah. um, Where it actually felt like an old school lightsaber fight. Uh, Weaknesses of the show. I mean, it kind of goes back to weaknesses of the new Republic of they're just like, Hey, Thrawn is here. And they're like, no, he isn't. And and it kind of is like the, um, Oh man, I can't, can't say what it is because josh hasn't got to that book of harry potter i don't think which which harry potter book are you on all right okay so all right guys just real real quick no 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 this is perfect okay so uh, we're gonna we're going to take a segue right now y'all got five minutes for me yeah yeah we have we have five minutes all right spoiler warning if you're like me and are just now reading harry potter for the first time in their lives that's what i'm doing Last night, I just read the passage where Dumbledore dies. Ooh, oh, man. It's so I'm good. a mess. It's so good. I'm an emotional mess. It's not okay. I read it right before going to bed, which was a horrible decision, and I don't know what to do with myself. It's and, gut-wrenching. And you, I, I, and oh you haven't my seen gosh. the movies. You haven't seen the movies, have you? No, I have not. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, that one is one of the ones that they butcher the movie. <laughs> uh, but you read oh. like like Half Blood Prince is such a good book. It's but anyway, it's, it's so amazing. It is anyway, amazing it, writing. Not, Sorry, uh, we'll, we get we'll do a separate yeah. podcast on this one day. I just had to like share yeah. my nerd grievance with you guys. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll take it's, this offline maybe one day. But, but I am hurting inside. Okay. Continue, Joseph. Yeah, it's it's rough. So it's not a spoiler now because I know where you're at because this happens in Order of the Phoenix. The New Republic here is basically like Cornelius Fudge in Order of the Phoenix when people are like, yes, yes, they're like Dumbledore's back and he's like. No, he's not. And, <laughs> and that's kind of just a weakness of the New Republic because they're like, hey, uh, we have New Republic officers who saw this gigantic hyperspace ring that's going to bring back Thrawn. And they're like, nah, I don't think so. Well, it's, it's even dumber than like the Ministry of Magic because at least the Ministry of Magic had reason to think Voldemort was dead. Whereas like for Star Wars, like Thrawn and Ezra just went to a different part of like vast galaxies. Well, like, right, no, right. I mean, they, they, were, they were presumed dead. So it's, uh, it's yeah, not that big like, of a stretch for me. I, I guess. Okay. Yeah, but, but the threat, the threat's like, okay, this lady got broken out by two like Sith wannabes. And they built a giant hyperspace ring and there's a bunch of former Imperials at every level of the new Republic that are trying to take us down. Let's just ignore it. And stupid Senator is the dad of the main character in resistance. Who's also an idiot. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's how that's helpful context to have. Um, let's do a, a quick poll real quick. If you had to power rank, by levels of incompetence, with one being the highest and three being the lowest, rank the New Republic, the prequel era Jedi Council, and the Ministry of Magic. I think the New Republic's sitting at a three because, like, they're just like so confident that nothing bad could be happening, and they have no reason to be. Um, the The Ministry's a two because it's like, come on, like you're really gonna take the gamble that the dark wizard of all time isn't doing some stuff. <laughs> and the, the, the Jedi, like, like they're a one. Cause it's not even really the council. It's just Yoda is just such a punk that he's just like, nah, like I'm, <laughs> I'm the best Jedi to ever Jedi. Yeah, that's right. I called Yoda a punk. Let's go. Um, so like I'm the best Jedi to ever Jedi. There's no, no way nothing way. nefarious could be slipping past me. Like incredible. So I'm going to take that and completely disagree with it. Okay. Yeah, think- that's right. I think the New Republic is the most incompetent Ooh. because they're just they're just like we're not even going to have a standing military anymore. So That's when Thrawn comes true. back in, when <laughs> Thrawn comes back point. in, he's just going to steamroll us in like Ahsoka season two or something. Then I'm going to go. Actually, I think I'll agree with you on this one. I'll go um, Ministry of Magic at two is like the second most incompetent because like. Yeah, they had the Order of the Phoenix in there. They had, um, you know, Kingsley Shacklebolt was was big in the ministry. You got Arthur Weasley. Um, That's true. But you also kind of got some infiltration from like Lucius Malfoy. Cornelius Fudge was pretty incompetent, which is why he got the sack. Uh, I think I just spoiled it. Never mind. That didn't happen. Um I don't I don't I'm not sure that you did. I think 
Uh, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll, mo- we'll move uh, on. And then if we look at the Jedi Council, yeah, Yoda made some bad decisions, but also if you look at like the battle, like the the field command of the Jedi, they seem to do pretty good. And if you know, if we really look at it, you know, Palpatine was pulling the strings, but the Republic pretty much did win the war. Because they, they killed did. Count Dooku and General Grievous, and the Jedi were in charge of the military effort. So I mean, that's fair. I don't were, know. They were they were super arrogant, but yes, I don't know if I'd go all the way of like more incompetent than the New Republic. Because they I also will... weren't gov- they weren't fumbling like governing. That's true. That's true. The New Republic is also fumbling governing. Um, but. The Jedi Council, think of all the all of the things they could have like taken more seriously and raised the alarms on. Like they got an entire army of clones for free and didn't bat an eye. Even though no, none of them ordered it. No one like, ordered it. No one made the order. They're just like, oh, what a what a blessing actually, in disguise. Actually, actually, sorry, a dead Jedi ordered it and they were like, cool, that makes sense. <laughs> right. Makes no sense. Oh, Sifo-Dyas, that like weirdo that we thought was kind of crazy. Turns out he was. Exactly. They let the fives thing go under their nose completely and just, oh, that was weird. And then, you know, the Ahsoka mistrial, they're just like, ah, okay, sorry, Ahsoka. I guess we'll catch you on the other side. Sorry about that one. Yeah, that one, that one was bad. There's, there's my, a my lot. The thing is they're just like, we're just going to promote you to make up for that. They're right, like, hey. right. It's like all, all you get out of all that is you you get to skip like the annoying initiation. Did you like a promotion? Trials? I mean, yeah, that's like, yeah, that, it's tough. That the... The Jedi Council takes the cake for me. I just, I just, I had to ask that question though because I hadn't thought about it. The New Republic is encroaching on their territory, though. I gotta say, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. And they've got, they've got Leia Organa and Mon Mothma in the building, and yet the rest of the company is absolutely tanking it. So yeah, it's- you know, you know, I, I, I'll throw this out there. It'll be controversial. I don't think Mon Mothma's very good at peacetime governing. Ooh, you think she's you think she's general mainly? Like that's her that's her no, mojo. She's not, a, she's not a general. She's a, um I think she's a better she's a she's maybe like a mixture of like a Churchill and a and like a spy. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Interesting. Because she's she's a good figurehead. But she messes a lot of stuff up in the New Republic. You know, with I mean, she basically lets the first order grow because she doesn't kind of hunt down and completely annihilate the empire. I see it, Joseph. Like I'm, I, and, I'm kind of with you. And immediately after the war, she's like, "I want to cut our military by like ninety percent," and everyone's like, "You want to do what now?" I mean, because yeah, they- we'll just let we'll, she's like, "We'll just let individual planets deal with it." And um, I don't think that's a great idea. You know, a year after it a giant galactic civil war. <laughs> we don't have to occupy places, but we should probably have like a fleet or two or it's, 500. I, I think it's a really valid point. We can, uh, we can come back to the new Republic um, later in this podcast, but I, uh, I just, I, that's an excellent point, Joseph. I'm, I'm with you on it completely. Um, yeah, no, very astute for me. I would say that, I actually, 
there's a there's I think there's a lot of things that are mixed for me. I think that's why this like me coming up with the best thing and then and a worst thing is hard because a lot of things worked well but not like perfectly for me. I, I would say probably the casting, uh similar to you, Trent, is what was the the best attribute of it. And I I think the other thing I could point to is truly I think it gave us one of the single best episodes in Star Wars TV ever um and 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 it's hard to compare it to a movie because it's just a single tv episode um but i I, i'm even saying like count the animated shows as well i i really think that world between worlds episode was top tier star wars and 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 we may not see anything like it again it was it was special to me so i it's uh it's up there with the marshall that's that's what I'm saying, Joseph. I it's in the Marshall territory, like it genuinely is. Um, I loved it, and uh, I think I think similar to you, Trent. So I'm gonna I'm gonna amend what you said about like there there's not eight episodes here. I agree. I don't think there's eight episodes worth of story here. And at the same time, if you had truncated everything to just be the like the most essential scenes, and you know maybe you get down to six episodes. I actually, I still don't think that's a fulfilling story. It, right? It felt way too part one of a larger story than I feel like we should have gotten for a full live action television series. I, I, I mean, I, I think like comparing this to even like some of the animated shows, this feels like a not even a full season of those. This feels like maybe a half a season of an animated show. Right? No, I mean, I made the I made the comparison to you guys, that, and I think I stand by it. Where once you know quantum mania came out a lot of people were like this movie was fun yeah. but it feels like it's setting up a lot just for the kang dynasty more yep. than standing on it and i kind of feel like assuming i mean this is speculation but assuming that the dave filoni mandalorian movie is going to be a lot about thrawn i do feel like this show was hey let's get a lot of the stuff that would normally be exposition in that movie out of the way here yeah and then mm-hmm. the movie can start and i'm like okay that that's great but shouldn't shouldn't a thing stay on its own and i don't know what the right answer is with that you know maybe we just are living now in a post mcu world where like we we accept that our entertainment is much more episodic even when it's supposed to be a limited series and it stands alone like yeah. i don't know i'm not sure i'm not sure i know what the right answer is to it but i i just it didn't feel like a full story to me um and so yeah i think that that kind of that probably does a good job uh including our long tangents of us summarizing how we all feel about the series. And um, today we're, we're going kind of round Robin here. We we've accumulated a bunch of questions to, to kind of discuss. So, so Trent, what is, what's the next question on our agenda today? Yeah. So if we're going to talk about a series titled Ahsoka, I feel like we should talk about Ahsoka and sort of what what do you all think of her journey? You know, we've followed this character now all the way since the Clone Wars days and what we, you know, Dave keeps bringing her back and peeling back more layers of the onion, so to speak. And so what do you guys think of this this journey she went on for these eight episodes? I don't think there was a whole lot of an arc for Ahsoka mm. in this one because we, we hadn't seen... What what made her have her fallen out with Sabine? I mean, they mentioned it that she didn't let her go to to Mandalore when everything was going on, but it seemed like, which we'll get to later, they shoehorned that in so Ahsoka and Sabine would have some conflict. 
we didn't really understand her being able to be cool with Anakin. Because mm. we, I guess we kind of implied that Luke was like, hey, he turned good again. But even in the the World Between Worlds episode, she's like, she's kind of taking some shots at Anakin, like, you're Darth Vader, buddy. But then she's also like, hey, Master, it's so good to see you. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like she'd either be really, really angry with him or had moved on and wasn't going to be like taking shots at him, especially, you know, cause he's, he's dead, but I don't think she had a whole lot of growth in the series from what we saw in like the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett. And I think in some cases it's almost like there's a little bit of a disconnect between the, the, the three, sh- well, not the three shows, but between this one and the two other shows, and her story seemed to be about moving on past stuff, mm-hmm. but she was moving past stuff that it seemed like in some cases she'd already moved past. Like, Interesting. like with Anakin. Cause you know, sometimes she'd be like, I don't want to talk about Anakin. And then in the next scene, you know, after the, uh, the world between worlds episode, she's like, man, I sure do love training with hologram Anakin. Do it all the time. Yeah, so, that's true. I don't know. I think, and and you know, we look at the Ahsoka the White thing, where it's a it's a really interesting concept. But I don't think she was that different between Ahsoka the White and Ahsoka the Gray. And I mean, you look at, at Gandalf, who's not very different personality wise, but he gets like a major power upgrade yeah. between gray and and white and hers is more like a rebirth out of her world between worlds baptism yeah and so i don't know i just didn't see the actual character growth and i didn't i'm a little disappointed because they wanted to treat it like character growth when i don't think she really needed that much to grow into. I think they could have played into the situation more is what she's struggling with. Not just an internal character thing, especially since they didn't give us a scene with her and Luke and Anakin talking. Okay. This is, this is interesting. I I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because so to, to, um, for those that don't know the Ahsoka, the white thing that Joseph is talking about, like it is very, um, clear in interviews that Dave Filoni has given and and literally just the way the character Ahsoka is dressed throughout the second half of the season that um, there's supposed to be a clear transformation from uh, Ahsoka the Grey to Ahsoka the White to mirror Gandalf's transformation in the Lord of the Rings from Gandalf the Grey to Ahsoka or to Gandalf the White after uh, he battles the Balrog, right? So um, we've got the I I don't totally disagree with you joseph but where i do feel like i i one of i think the questions i've always had for the character of ahsoka and this is after watching her in rebels as well is like how well how does she actually feel that her master was turned out to be darth vader because we get we get the scene we get the episode in rebels where she fights vader and she realizes that it's anakin but we don't spend that much time with Ahsoka 
in Rebels, period. And and after that moment, when she does show up, it's more so to help out our Rebels friends than than to really focus in on her story. So I, I that was one of the questions like I wanted answered from this show. And to me, the there was a lot of like criticism which i i didn't really buy into from some fans about how rosario dawson was portraying the character of ahsoka early in the season um and and in the mandalorian previously like this very stoic very uh just kind of like serious down to business character that we don't we, we don't necessarily think of ahsoka that way when we think about her in the clone wars right but this is a character who's seen her closest oh, yeah. person her, yeah she has seen some ish right she has seen yeah. her her master become the most feared and horrible man in the galaxy and and to me the world between worlds episode i don't know if it always executed it perfectly but i i do think it gave us some really clear examples of her wrestling asking questions that you would assume she's asking like hey man like are we like is our legacy just what that we won a war when like clearly you're gonna go on to do horrible atrocities after this like i think our legacy is a little bit more than that and like yours yours looks rough and it felt like a the world between worlds felt like her emdr therapy session where she gets to go into this like metaphysical realm and process all of her grief and then come out the other side so much freer and so much lighter where i do agree with you joseph is that i'm not completely sure yet who she is after this i think that's like other than seeing that she has processed her grief and trauma and kind of unreconciled questions about anakin i don't know who i know who ahsoka is as ahsoka the white yeah i mean i feel like the show wanted to say that like after i sort of agree with you josh where it was like the whole world between the wor- world between the worlds thing is like her finally coming to terms with anakin because i saw a lot of posts where it was like they loved hayden's whole arc and performance there because it's like he plays all of the facets of anakin right like yeah. now that he's dead he can like he can go from like the teacher to like the dark side yeah. mode and then back to like friend and all of that like he's at peace with all of those facets of mm. himself and i thought that was a really cool way to wrap things up with that character and then Ahsoka realizes that too. It's like, okay, like, yeah, we all have that sort of light and dark thing in us, but it doesn't define us. And then post that, you do see she she is more willing to like crack jokes and mm-hmm. stuff like the Ahsoka we know from the animated series. And then I feel like the show wants to say that she just becomes like the ultimate teacher and mm-hmm. like mentor after that, where like she's not super dunking on Sabine for like, you know, letting Thrawn escape and all those things. And she's like, yeah, you know, we're, 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 we are where we're meant to be at this moment in time. And I feel like the show wants to say that, that she's going to become maybe just the ideal mode of a Jedi teacher. But I don't know if that's what you build a limited series around. Like, yeah. I mean, especially when the show's also trying to communicate Thrawn as a threat and tell us, reintroduce us to Ezra and the new Republic. And, I I do I also think that you know the first episode is called Master and Apprentice. This uh we there's so many um comparisons between Anakin and Ahsoka's relationship, now Ahsoka and Sabine's relationship, and then Balin and Shin's relationship. Like 
it's this like triad of different master apprentice relationships and they're all different in some way. And I, I feel like it didn't go well the first time with Ahsoka and Sabine because ah- Ahsoka was afraid to essentially become to Sabine what Anakin was to her. Um, because that's the only, that's the only master she ever knew. And so I, uh, and, and maybe why she turned down, uh, being Grogu's master in the Mandalorian. I, I think that's like another shred of evidence that we have for that. But like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm with you in being like, uh, do we, did we get there in this show? Like, do we believe that now Ahsoka is ready to be the teacher? And I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. I don't know. I don't think we got enough time with Ahsoka and Sabine to really, to really dive into that, uh, or to know that answer fully. Um, yeah. Joseph, do you have any, any counters to what we've had to say? No. (laughs) All right, cool. What, uh, what, what do we have up next on the plate, Joseph? Yeah. So we got, uh, how do we think this series stands on its own? as opposed to a continuation of the Clone Wars and Rebels. So there's been a lot of debate about this, right? Like since this this show premiered, like people have been debating, like, do I need to see Clone Wars and Rebels? Like why is Star Wars and Marvel making me do like homework to watch their new shows? My my sitting on the fence semi take on this is <laughs> I don't actually, like I think you can totally watch this series and not be confused by the plot at all. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like the show tells you everything that you need to know before, like about these characters that you learn in other series. And like, you understand like why Ahsoka and Sabine are together and like where they're going and what they're doing. You're not literally confused <laughs> where I think the hangup is. And I wish, I wish I knew more people who had not seen these animated shows and watched Ahsoka because where I think the hangup is, is if you are not emotionally connected to Thrawn and Ezra, you are wondering why we are spending eight episodes trying to find these two dudes. And I don't think we spend quite enough time with either of them, these final two or three episodes, whatever ended up being to justify. I like, I don't think Ezra was shown to be important enough. And I don't think Thrawn as great as he was. I don't think Thrawn was shown to be the thread that he, that we know from the animated show that he is to be like, Oh yeah. Now I see why it was a big deal that they can't let this dude off this planet. I think that's where the disconnect is going to happen for a lot of people. So, um, so my dad is one of the, one of those people that did not watch the animated series and he watched one episode and every week, like every week there was a new episode. I would call him and be like, have you watched? And he's like, nah, like I, I just, you know, haven't gotten around to it. Um, and his thoughts on the first episode was, I, and also like, I did not enjoy the first episode of this show. I thought it was very clunky. And he was like, it was just like weirdly slow. And everyone's just like meandering around. And to me, that's the, um, I know that's just the first episode, but I think more people who didn't watch the animated series that watched the duration of the show would, would probably say this show's not good enough to really compel me unless i've seen rebels that's that's kind of my thoughts on it i think so much of what we should care about about these characters uh weighs on what we know about them in rebels and in clone wars and if you haven't watched either of these shows then ultimately like another uh, ultimately these characters are just new characters 
and there some of them are really fun but you don't un, you don't know exactly why you care so much about them and i will ask this question to you both next do you feel like thrawn was as imposing of a character in this show as he was in rebels no, and I think the problem is, and I didn't really think about this till I saw some memes afterwards, but the show, and I get why they did it, because it, it does make sense for some of the plot reasons, but they made him so dependent on the Night Sisters in the mm. series, where like he would just be on a tap. Like, for somebody who doesn't know Thrawn from Rebels and Clone Wars, right, I could totally see you watching this show and being like, this is a dude who is supervising one thing being moved from a planet to a ship as they're packing up a ship to leave. And then being like, oh, we're in trouble. Let me go ask these people to do magic. Like, that's all yeah. he does, seemingly, yeah. in a literal way, That entire the entire series that he's in. And yet, this show sets up this idea that he's supposed to succeed Palpatine, who shoots lightning from his hands. And I think if you're somebody who hasn't seen Thrawn be the master manipulator that he is in the other shows, you're like, there's no way this dude is, like, the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, no, think... no, no dig on Lars Mikkelsen. Like he right, right. is perfect as this character in the animated. He was. I thought his performance was great in the show. Like the the vocal intonation is spot on, a hundred percent. He still has that vibe, cold pat. I just don't. I think the death of Mere Sisters is a bit too much of a a thing. <laughs> yeah, the Night Sisters didn't really bother me, but this is like a primer on Thrawn. Yeah, because you're like, okay, everybody in the New Republic that's taking this threat seriously is like crapping themselves at his name. And when you see him, he's like, Oh, his star destroyers like falling apart. Yeah. And he just kind of walks around and talks really slow. And he didn't do a whole lot of <clears throat> kind of what Thrawn is, is known for of like, I got to figure out, what their art looks like and then I'll take them out. And yeah. he, he kind of mentioned it a little bit about Ahsoka. He was like, I want to know where she's from and who her master was. And you see that glimmer of who Thrawn was when he's like, her master was Anakin Skywalker. We need to call everybody up for this. And that's kind of like the hint at Thrawn that you get. Cause he's like, Oh no, we're not taking any risks with yeah. her. We yep. will like send everything we have to destroy her. But you don't really see his, and I think part of it is just because it was in a, it was a smaller scale. But they don't have any of his like fleet tactics, which is really what he's really good at. Yeah. So the witches didn't bother me, but also I don't know what they would have changed to build up Thrawn to be a bigger threat, other than having everybody be like, "Oh no, he's a giant threat." Because you, because I think just, he that's. That's just something they'd have to, they'd have to re restructure the entire yep. show to actually get it across like that. Completely agree because I think you need more time. He's not like a Thanos where he can just like flex his muscles and might and empowers and intimidates you that way. Like Thrawn is a is a strategical character, so he's got to have the time given to show that he's always one step ahead. Cause I think that's what they were trying to do. But to me, it just felt like everything he tries keeps failing. And he just happens to like have a head start against these characters by having been on this planet for longer. I, that's to me, like 
and that's how it came across. It wasn't like, oh, right. Thrawn has definitely thought through everything already. It was just like, oh, no, I think he just had a head start. I think the worst failure they did with Thrawn was when uh, Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine are riding their little wolves up to the tower, and he's like, fire everything we have at him. And they completely miss. Yeah. <laughs> and they get up to the yeah. tower, and they're like, yep. oh, we're, we're good. And I think that would have been better to just like, not even fire all the cannons at him. I and just let the let, just let the zombie stormtroopers keep right. fighting them. Right. Which, by the way, that that's incredible. Can we just say the fact that we got like zombie stormtroopers? Yes. In star, like in a live action thing, like that was like I love when Dave just lets the the like the weird corners of Star Wars flex themselves. Yes, and he does just like whatever he wants, and it's and it's crazy. Yeah, zombie stormtroopers. I'm here for. Like, please don't take those away. I think they're I think they're fun. You know, we had the zombie night sisters in the Clone Wars. Yeah, right. we did. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Another question we have, kind of looking back at the show, and then we'll get to some more forward-thinking questions. Would be, what do we think of Sabine's Force abilities? This seemed to be a point of contention amongst the fans, and I know myself. I was back and forth on it watching the show. Like, do I want this character who has never shown force sensitivity to now be able to wield the force. What what do you guys think? So my opinion of this is I'm I'm actually really okay and actually really cool with the idea of that like everyone can use the force a little bit. Okay. Like, yeah. I, like I think that's because like Obi-Wan Kenobi says that basically in A New Hope where it's like it surrounds and penetrates all living life or something to that effect. And so I, I kind of like the idea that like maybe like that maybe in this universe, maybe that's why some people are really good at like archery is the force, even though they don't think of it that way, but that's what mm. it is. Or maybe why somebody's really good at like piloting. It's not necessarily the force, but it, but it is like, that's the, the actual explanation. What I, what I don't want is that Sabine to go away from being a Mandalorian mm. and then being just like, not just a Jedi, but you know what I mean? Like, like we have plenty of Jedi and force users and they're all cool. But I think I think there's something to be said about just having your Han Solos and your Poe yes. Dameron's who are like mm-hmm. these are just skilled people who can do stuff. I don't want the Force to just be this like we need to hit the upgrade button on this character and like have them be awesome. And it's like no, Sabine's already awesome as a Mandalorian. She doesn't need this to be better. Um, I'm cool with it adding different hurdles to the character and dimension, but I don't think it needs to be. She she does not need to become a Jedi by the end of wherever they're taking her. I don't hate it. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of it. What I do like is that unlike Finn, they actually committed to it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Great of, point. Because if, if you're going to do it, I'm like, all right, if if you're going to do this, just go on and make her use the force. And she kept struggling with it. And Hu Yang just like straight up dunked <laughs> on her a couple of times. Like you are Hu the Yang worst. Hu Yang is a savage. He's Hu like, you're the, the worst apprentice I have ever seen in 25,000 years of training Jedi. You are the absolute worst. I think, I think it came about a little abrupt for her in the last episode to where she was like magically picking up a lightsaber and then throwing Ezra like across a chasm. Yeah. I think they should have done something where what she uses the force to do is just get the lightsaber. Yeah, in this one. Yeah, I think her getting the lightsaber would be enough for the season, and then they could build on it and be like, okay, she can do this, but she's not doing crazy stuff yet. And kind of what happened with her getting the lightsaber is we see her like 
really struggling to get the lightsaber. And then she rolls up to Ezra and is like, how about I help you out? And he's like, I don't know about that one, chief. Um, she's like, no, trust me. I got you, fam. But I don't hate it, but it's not really where I wanted it to go. Because it's it's almost like, oh, she has a lightsaber. She's got to use the force. Which I didn't think was... I didn't think it was the most interesting thing they could do. And again, I think it was another thing where they needed to have some tension with her and Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. And that was what they came up with. Well, what I I don't like is that it it seems to create the insinuation, right? That in order for Ahsoka to be a teacher, like Sabine has to literally be her Padawan. And I'm like... You can mm-hmm. have a mentor-mentee relationship yep. just because Ahsoka like just gets Sabine and and knows how to teach her and like I don't yeah I I, th- I think it's the thing of like we needed to do this so that we could justify pairing them up and it's like no you didn't yeah yeah it, you could have said hey they would both like to go get Ezra yep and instead of them kind of having these arguments for two episodes they're like yep we've got a lead on Ezra let's go let's go get it done. And, you know, maybe in that fight, you still have them disagreeing where Ahsoka's like, we have to destroy this map. And Sabina's like, I'm good. I want to go get my friend. And they can still have that disagreement without, you know, some kind of big master apprentice fallout. And I still think it would be consistent with both characters. Yeah, I to me, like episode three was was a perfect uh scenario for what you guys are talking about where um ahsoka is doing these like insane jumps off of the ship and is blocking other ships blaster fights with her lightsaber in the sky like in space and sabine is working her magic with uh you know her supreme technological knowledge inside the ship trying to fix Mm -hmm. the ship that that's the kind of that that's the kind of master apprenticeship that i think could work uh, between these characters uh even still with sabine having the limited use of the force that she has uh but we'll see what happens going forward and and if we look at sabine too you know we talk about the jedi not wanting to train people that are too old sabine is in like her late 20s at this yep. point yeah yeah <laughs> and it didn't work out great the last time and she sucked at using the force it's true it's true so, i i think We'll have to see. We'll have to see. There's a lot of story left. I think I think they did. I'll say it this way. I didn't really like the change that much, but I think they did the best with that decision yeah. that they could. Yeah, I would agree with that. I agree with that too. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like, you know, before we hit some of these like more theory kind of questions, we've been definitely very critical on our episode today. <laughs> So maybe what are some things that we haven't talked about that you really liked about this show? Because I feel like we all came in and we're like, yeah, like we we liked it more than the we disliked it. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I think the performances were really great. Um, Kevin Kiner's music is oh yes on point as you like. I've been blasting that end credits music everywhere I go. It's just like it's so like Game of Thronesy almost. Ooh um, yeah. Um, that's really good. the action I thought was really solid in this. I uh, I think that um Balin and Ahsoka's fight is one of my favorite lightsaber fights we've had in a while. Just like they're both like 
so calculated and like measuring each other and changing their stances throughout mm-hmm. that fight. I think that's really cool. Um, the fight between Ahsoka and Morgan Elsbeth was really solid. Um, I thought, you yeah. know, the final one yeah. where she has the awesome Night Sister sword thing. Um, and yeah, just great visuals too. Like Josh, you said, like we got to see Ahsoka chop down a Tie Fighter in space. Like, yeah, the 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 ten year old Star Wars fan of me can't not love that visual. You know, so mm-hmm. um. Yeah, no, I th- I think from a pure performance standpoint and technical standpoint of like how everything looked, sounded, the music and the action, like all of it was made incredibly well. It's just, I think for a lot of us, it's like we hold Dave Filoni and I'm including myself in this on sort of this unfairly high pedestal of like he's the greatest Star Wars story- storyteller there is. And then for yeah. just the fact that there's like some not even bad, but just like wonky things with the plot. I think it, it it feels like a bit of a harsher letdown to us people who love Dave Filoni stuff so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think as far as the casting goes, you know, they're they're all really good, but you look at um this guy who played Ezra and you're like, whoa, this is just straight up Ezra. Yes. Um I mean I thought I thought he was great. Uh, a little secret casting thing that was funny from the the first episode. They had Clancy Brown come in as as Ryder Azadi, and that was really funny to to kind of see him in there uh, as the character that he played from Rebels. And you know, it's always great to see Mr. Krabs. Um, they had the the kid that was the senator in the first episode. He was uh, he was from Rebels. Uh, he's friends with with Ezra when he was undercover at the Imperial Academy. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the Easter eggs were fun. Um, I thought for the most part, there was a scene where Ahsoka jumped out of the Jedi shuttle in like episode seven or eight. That was hot garbage. I'm but for so the most part, glad you said that the, the, the CGI was good for the most part and, and, you know, fun space battles. And I always love seeing X-Wings. So, yep. Uh, but yeah, that that scene where she like slides out of the yes the Jedi shuttle and like bounces across the ground, it was just it was awful. I did not see anyone else talk about this. I'm so glad you saw it, Joseph because that scene I audibly laughed. I was like, oh my <laughs> god, what? That looks like they just like snuck a like five second clip of someone jumping off of a like a gym wrestling mat on. And, and then just did some Photoshop work on it. It was weird. Oh, no. They copied the same thing they did in Wonder Woman 2 where she's flying and it looks awful. But <laughs> you're kind of laughing because of how awful it yes. is. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm glad someone else noticed. Um, For me, I, I think this Hayden Christensen performance was the best Hayden Christensen we've gotten in any Star Wars anything. I I will say it. That's his best work in Star Wars, I think. He was so, so good. And I don't really care what Disney's plans are with Star Wars right now. I am demanding that you give us some kind of Hayden Christensen spinoff. Like, I don't care if it's, you know, like a Tales of the Jedi, but live, live action. I don't care if it's a Vader series. I don't care what it is. Let this man cook. And uh, I, I genuinely, I, it, it was one of those things where I love, we all grew up loving the prequels and I always loved the character of Anakin. And when I go back and rewatch the prequels, I'm like, oh man, like Hayden, my guys, you're, you could tone it back a little bit in some of these scenes. 
And to see him turn around and like you said earlier, Trent, it's like we get to we got to see an Anakin that was at peace with all sides of himself. And we got to see Hayden Christensen like so beautifully portray every facet of Anakin in a single episode of television. And it just felt like it, it felt like truly a Star Wars blessing to watch. Uh, and it just makes me happy for him because all of the hate he's received throughout his career. I mean, the Star Wars prequels may have messed his career up like and missed and messed him up with a lot of like opportunities he could have had elsewhere because of the way fans reacted to them. And it just feels like, you know, justice was served a little bit by Hayden getting to cook in that episode. It was, it was incredible. And, and we, we do need to mention, cause you know, I was like, yeah, seeing Ezra was like, it was like seeing animated Ezra, but the way Hayden like went back and forth between like his Anakin and like Matt Lanter's Anakin yeah. from yeah. Wars yeah. was like seamless. And you're sitting there like, wait a minute. He sounds like animated Anakin now. Yep. Cause you know, he has his two scenes in the flashback, especially the Ryloth one where I'm like, this is straight up like Anakin shenanigans in the clone wars. Yeah. Yeah. And the Clone Wars armor just—it looked amazing. It looked so good. It did. It did. He he pulled it off so so well. Uh, the other one, which I'll use this as a segue into our next question, would be Balin Skull as a character. I absolutely love so much, and we've said it before on this podcast. But rest in peace to Ray Stevenson. Uh, I know it is. Uh, it is sad that that he is no longer with us and that we cannot see him play this character any longer because he was so, so good in this show. And I love, this is like some Dave Filoni expertise in my opinion is to create a new character, create a villain who is not a Sith and somehow like excellently mirrors Ahsoka because he's a Jedi who left the order but instead of being the hero that Ahsoka was, he he decided to choose a more selfish and like power grabbing route. And that makes for a really compelling villain uh, that I want to see more of. And I want to see more Balin and Ahsoka showdowns because they're they're perfect complements to each other. And when and when you get the hero villain dynamic, that's what you want. You want to see people who are just like if things had gone differently, they, they truly could have been the same person. Uh, and so I, I love, I loved his character so much. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, but that does lead us into our question. Um, how do we think Balin's journey is going to continue now that, you know, tragically we lost Ray Stevenson to these, you know, real life circumstances. Um, how do we think they're going to pick that up? I think they're going to, I think they're going to end up recasting. Um, they're, they're not going to do this stupid AI generated CGI face. Cause that, that just seems disrespectful to me this soon after he passed away. And I mean, in the future also, um, so I think they're going to recast. I don't know who they would get. I've heard, uh, this is just fan casting of, uh, Liev Schreiber. Maybe doing it. That could be interesting. I think his journey is going to be, he's going to find that, you know, they had the flashing out in the distance as he's on the statue of the, the father and the son and kind of the daughter statue is destroyed off to the side. I think he's going to go find the Mortis gods 
uh, because we saw Morai flying around mm-hmm. in, um, in I think the last episode, and Ahsoka was like, "Huh, that's interesting." Uh, but he's going to go find the Mortis gods and maybe learn some things about the Force. I agree. I think, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that is what he's going to do. I feel like, you know, it almost, because when I think of the, the Mortis gods post that uh, scene that we get in uh, or the, the the series of episodes that we get in the Clone Wars, the next time they pop up is the world between worlds and rebels. And it makes me think, what if uh, what if there's another portal to the world between worlds on Peridia and that Balin has his own world between worlds experience? I, I'm into that idea a lot. I think that would be fascinating. Um, but we'll see. I, I am so intrigued by bringing the Mortis gods back into the fold. There's such a... Uh, interesting and uncharted concept in the star wars mythology and i would i would love to see uh love to see what balin could explore there yeah i mean i'm i'm really liking the theory that uh the balin what was a was a young jet jedi who escaped anakin during order 66 have you all seen that theory no, that, he, I have that he's not. the that he's the master skywalker what are we gonna do kid um oh shoot <laughs> I think he's too old for that. I think he is probably oh, yeah, slightly. Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely he's, is. I think he's probably the same age as Anakin because Anakin at this point would be in his early 50s. Yeah. I don't know. That would be pretty cool, though. That'd be pretty cool, though. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with you guys. I think I think that character is really interesting that, that they're probably going to end up recasting him with somebody who can hopefully – um, you know, pay tribute to what he did, but still feel comfortable enough making it their own. The other thing I could see them doing is they could just give his journey to to Shin, just have his apprentice naturally sort of pick up where he left off. Um, or or yeah, yeah, I could I could see them pivoting that way because because I like where they left her character as well, where Ahsoka sort of offers this hand, and you see yeah. this moment of hesitation where she's like, "Uh, I don't trust these guys, but I don't know if I want to stay on." the bad the bad guy path but but yeah so i think we leave her character in an interesting place that i could see her character sort of picking up the quest in some way or fashion as well i love that she because leads. it it uh it mirror it flipped balan's uh offer to sabine earlier in the series on its head mm-hmm. and it was like let's let's try it the other way now and it and it goes completely the opposite direction yeah she's going to lead the uh the raiders against uh, Sabine, Ahsoka, Hu Yang, and the the crab people. What a war! That that would be that would be quite the fight. They're um, gonna be throwing like slingshots and sticks at them. <laughs> uh, Joseph, what uh, what else do we think future of the uh, of this story? What do we got next? So we got uh, what what is Thrawn doing? on Dathomir and what's his relation to the night sisters. Yeah. So I think this is a twofold purpose here. I think the, the main one is that Thrawn knows he can't just like show up on Coruscant right off the bat here. As soon as he comes back, right? Like the new Republic would blast him out of the sky and it would be over. So I think he knows he's <laughs> like, I'm going to go to Dathomir. Nobody wants to mess with witchcrafts. Nobody's going to come looking for me here, but I wouldn't be surprised if like 
he and the Night Scissors are going to cook up some like ancient magics to to unleash upon the New mm. Republic to help their their new evil plan in some way. I would much rather be something totally bonkers Star Wars like that than they build a third new Death Star Ray right. thing. So 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 that's what I'm hoping is just that it, it's a it's a stealth cloaking precautionary measure and also maybe this is some like evil plan um kind of kind of like the the minor spoilers but the, like what the evil people are up to in the the D&D movie if you saw that um oh yeah yeah okay I haven't I haven't seen it yet I've heard it's really good it's though. it's a lot of fun it's so I, much fun yeah like surprisingly one of my favorite movies this year me too um yeah I like I personally I really like the decision to to have Thrawn have an alliance with the Night Sisters because I feel like based on the little I know about Thrawn from the novels, you know, he is from distant reaches of the galaxy. And the Night Sisters on Dathomir are kind of in the same boat where they're first of all like we're learning that they have origins that trace back to Peridia in this in this other galaxy. So they're they're really from like the nether regions of the Star Wars universe as a whole. Um but in the galaxy that we know, like they have uh they have not had a presence like like some some of the other factions in the galaxy have had. They have they haven't had like a Mandalorian kind of presence in the galaxy where the Mandalorians are at war with the Jedi, then they're uh, the Jedi are helping them and they're super involved like the Night Sisters are a little more dealing in the shadows. And I like that because that's um it just reminds me of Thrawn a little bit. So I, I don't know if I could offer that much more than that, but I just I I think the pairing is smart and I'm intrigued to know more. Joseph, how about you? So as we look at Thrawn in Rebels, he has two <clears throat> major defeats that he's present for. Obviously, Governor Price messes some stuff up while he's gone. In season four, but at the end of season three and at the end of season four, he has two major defeats. And the common factor in those two major defeats is unforeseeable force shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. And so he gets to Peridia and he's like, you know what? I am tired of this crap. Let me get with these night sisters and be like, hey, you want to be friends so you can help me against these force things that I don't really understand. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think kind of the deal was they were like, all right, chief, we'll get you back. Uh, but you got to take us and some cargo. Don't worry about it. Uh, back to Dathomir. And he's like, I want to get the heck off of this planet. Yeah. So, yep, it's a deal. We'll help each other. Oh, and there's this guy back in the main galaxy named Skywalker. <laughs> oh, there's another one. All right. Let's let's work on taking this guy out too when we get back. And then we go our separate our separate ways. Yeah. Do I we- think it's I think it's right now a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours and we'll call it even kind of relationship. So, what do we think the cargo is? Dead Night Sisters. Okay. Ooh, I like that. I that's the that's really the only theory I've heard. Trent, do you have any like anything else you've seen? I don't. I I've not seen a lot, not a lot of people talking about the cargo. Everyone's everyone's just talking about um 
that that final Hayden Christensen cameo there is what I've been seeing a lot of <laughs> yeah, these I past. Mean, I mean, few that days. was that was special, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Fall of Night Sisters is interesting, with the hope that they resurrect them on Dathomir. That yep. All right, interesting. That's very interesting. And then, because then it's like, okay, so what is 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 Thrawn going to command an army of Night Sisters? Is that what, is that what we're getting all toward? Like that that would be crazy. It, it really does. When, when you start to like actually think about all the things that are starting to pop up, it really feels like <laughs> it feels like Dave Filoni is is assembling his board, his his board game board with every piece of Star Wars mythology that he's created or included in his content all to be meshed together in one ultimate climactic movie. That That's kind of what it feels like. Um, and, and with that, I'll maybe we'll we'll wrap up with this question here. And that is what speculation, what guesses do we have as to how this first season of Ahsoka is going to tie in with Dave Filoni's movie? So obviously I think this Dave Filoni movie is going to be all about Thrawn and everybody has to has to deal with Thrawn's reemergence. Um obviously you got to you got to get Ahsoka and Sabine back. I have a couple different theories on how that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The you know obviously it could just be as simple as Ezra reaches out to his Pergil friends again and is like, "Hey, let me yeah. go give them a ride." I I th- I think base I think that final cameo by Hayden could be more telling than people think. I think I could see Hayden Christensen showing up to a certain son of his being like, Hey man, you know, oh. Ahsoka, like you need to go to this other galaxy and help her out. Like sh- she's in a tight spot. I, and I could see that's how we get, we get Luke in this journey. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think it's going to be that. Um, and then we know we need to get Mando and Grogu involved. So I'm, I'm going to, jump on board with a big fan theory from the end of Mando season three. I think at some point in Mando season four, which I think will come out before this movie, um, we're going to learn that Moff Gideon is still alive oh, and no. that he, he is, he's working with, with Thrawn. And so Din's like, okay, if I need if to, in order to get rid of Gideon and his obsessive quest to get Grogu's DNA, I got, I got to take out both Gideon and this Thrawn guy. And that's how the two of them are going to get involved here. Huh. Um, and then, then yeah, I don't know. We don't know about skeleton crew yet, but we know that they're like the final show piece of this that's gonna mm-hmm. that's gonna all fit in here. Um, and then, yeah, I think we're gonna get this epic space battle. Um, and I think, unfortunately, they're gonna kill my boy Zeb in this no. in this Mando movie. <laughs> no, not Zeb. They can't. They're gonna kill Carson Tava. Oh, they Ooh. are gonna kill Carson. That's <laughs> gonna be brutal too. That's, uh, that almost feels worse. <laughs> like, dang. They let, they've really given him some moments in these shows. Yeah. Joseph, do you have yeah, any theories? I'm, I'm kind of on board with Trent. I think, though, the movie is going to get a lead-in like how the end credit scene of Ragnarok is like there's like a gap and then the beginning of Infinity War. And that's what I think Thrawn's movies... I'm, I'm like... 100% sure it's going to be called Heir to the Empire. Yeah. After the I'm feeling that. Um, yeah. I think... I hadn't thought about it, Trent, but I think it's a good idea to have Luke go get Ahsoka and Sabine because Luke has like a force compass at this point that he could use and, and I think may have helped him find uh, Octo 
where the first Jedi temple is. There we um, go. I think Mando season four is going to be a big build for the movie since he's going to be like contracting for the new Republic. Um, skeleton crew, I think could be the way we get Ahsoka and Sabine back into the main galaxy. If it's not Luke, because I think the skeleton crew is going to be in Peridia also. They're going to get up to some like Star Trek Voyager shenanigans. I think I've said shenanigans three times today, <laughs> but they're going to get up to some Star Trek Voyager hooligandery in, uh, in Peridia and get back. Um, and, you know, I don't know what else we're, we're going to see because, you know, Rangers of the New Republic is kind of dead. But I think we could get another separate show hmm. in here that, that could be really interesting. Because I think we're going to need a couple of prep shows before Thrawn kind of starts his campaign in the movie. Because remember, the Heir to the Empire books are, are books. There's three of them. That's true. Uh, they, have a lot, they have a lot of stuff going on. There's like a clone of Luke whose name is spelled L-U-U-K-E. And there's like a clone of a dark Jedi. And his name also gets a second U in it. Um, so I was wondering if, if Balin doesn't come back and kind of be that dark Jedi presence for, for Thrawn. Because um, I think it'll be heavily influenced by the books. I think the next thing we're going to see Thrawn in is him like laying waste to a planet or mm. getting back with Captain Pelion who was in Mando season three. And then being yep. like, we're getting the band back together, boys. Yep. And going and getting all the Imperial remnant. Um, I think we could get a secret new Republic show uh, about That's kind of the government of the new Republic. Um, and I think we'll get in Ahsoka season two. Yeah, I think we're definitely getting Ahsoka season two. Um, there's a there's a part of me that is like, what if skeleton crew, the whoever the skeleton crew is, what if they're the ones who take Ahsoka home, Ahsoka and Sabine home? But then I I I have more doubts about that because I think I think Ahsoka season two is going to want to have both Ahsoka and Sabine and Balin and Shin on the same planet at the same time. Um, it's just kind of how I see that unfolding. One I, one question I have. Does it feel weird to you guys that it feels like Mando and Grogu have been kind of put on the bench in this whole saga? Because it feels weird to me. They were not even the main characters of their own show. And now it feels like the Thrawn and Ahsoka cast and Rebels cast are like the main protagonists. But that feels weird to me. Well, it's 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 a weird thing that they've ridden themselves into, right? Where the main threat slash need for them to get involved into broader galaxy affairs is people want to kidnap Grogu, or and like you know use his DNA to create force sensitive abilities or whatever is going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it's like Din's not going to actively look for a fight. And so you can't have him like willingly put Grogu in those situations. But then also like you can't have every episode be like people trying to abduct Grogu. And so yeah. I feel like part of it's just like they've ridden themselves into a weird spot. No, but yeah, I think what you were saying, Joseph, of like Din is now saying like, oh, I'm contracting with the New Republic to hunt down this sort of 
empire remnant. I think that that did create an avenue now of, okay, if he's going to be hunting down lieutenants of the empire and Thrawn's trying to rebuild the empire, that creates a natural segue for him and Grogu to sort of have an on-ramp back onto the, the larger story here. And I think that kind of plays into the problem we kind of had with season three and Book of Boba Fett of, I still think they should have kept Grogu away for a little bit. And that's why I think they could do something where Ahsoka and Sabine get back in Skeleton Crew because they had the major occurrence in Book of Boba Fett where Grogu was back with the Mandalorian and people that just watched the Mandalorian are like, okay, he's gone and see at the end of season two. Oh wait, the beginning of season three there. What happened there? I thought Luke Skywalker yeah. took this kid to go train it. What what's going on here? And so I think they are, they're, they're playing a big gamble in making it a single story that, that people might not pay attention to it. I mean, I had people saying, so when does Ahsoka take place? Is this like during when when is this happening? So I think they've got some things to clear up. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the posit like the potential for what we could see is extremely high, right? Like the they do everything right. The potential is like a Star Wars crossover like we've never seen, and it be an absolute blast. Um, they just got some work to do, so it, it's going to take some while. It's going to take some time over the course of multiple seasons of different shows to get to that point, and that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that by the time we get to the movie, we're in a place with all the characters where we feel like the movie happening is what makes sense next, not that we skipped some important plot beats on the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my hope. But well, guys, I. I think that's going to do it for our Ahsoka episode. I feel like we aired it all out. What do y'all think? Yeah, I think so. My my only other thing is I'm kind of <laughs> done with Star Wars plots having these things of like, we need to find a map to go somewhere else <laughs> to get somebody else. Like, Great call. For, yeah. Force Awakens did it. Holocrons yeah. in episode nine did it. I'm, I'm like, okay, like that that can be over as a, a MacGuffin. Like yep. we, can, we can find other things. There's... This, one, this one made the most sense because, you know, Ezra and... Thrawn yeah. literally went to another galaxy, so I get it. But I'm still kind of like, all right, maybe not maps need to be the the answer to everything. <laughs> we got we yeah. got to find we got to find a better way to get around the galaxy. Like, can we uh, install GPSs into everybody's uh, everybody's? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me go find a dagger that's cut perfectly into the shape of the exploded Death Star. How about that? <laughs> it was supposed to be in space, floating, not crashed on a planet, but yet yeah, still tells me exactly what I needed to. <laughs> Yep. It makes sense if you don't think about it, guys. <laughs> um, guys, thank you, thank you so much for uh, for enlightening us all with your with your thoughts and opinions on Ahsoka. So, um, I feel like we can close the book, and we are we're moving on to Loki territory now. Um, you will hear some thoughts that we have about Loki in the in the near future. So, stay tuned and uh, plug into Loki on Disney Plus, but. Guys, it's been a blast as always. Uh, listeners, thank you as always for your support. And you can, again, subscribe wherever you get your podcast and subscribe on YouTube. And then follow us at The Stinger Pod on Instagram and TikTok. We will be back soon talking more fandom entertainment. So thank you once again. <laughs>